This is a special Sunday for us. We're looking forward to this time of worship together and studying God's Word together. And also we'll have an opportunity today uh, to sign our partnership covenants. For those of you that are a part of our church regularly, we'll be talking more about that later. But thank you so much for coming. I want to just take a moment, if we can, uh, right before we go any further in our worship. I'm going to ask Holly if she would join me up here. And Tim and Steve are going to join me too. But uh, I hope that everybody knows who Holly is now. I know some of you are new to our body over the last little while. But uh, Holly Corning is our sister who is serving the Lord in Turkey and helping with the church planting process there. And we're just happy to, to be able to have her here with us for the last three or four months. And um, we can't have her all to ourselves because she does have other churches, but we kind of feel like she is ours and she belongs to us and she is a part of what we're doing and part of what God is doing uh, through Mossbrook Church. It's been so good to have her here. Some of you were with us uh, on Saturday night. We spent the evening with Holly and that was fantastic. And, um, but tomorrow Holly has to get back on a plane and head back the other direction and head home to Ankara, uh, Turkey. And she is excited to do that because she has friends there and that's her home. But it's also difficult to say goodbye as well to friends and family here. And we just are so grateful for the sacrifice that Holly makes for the cause of Christ. And we're happy to be able to be a part of it. And we just want to take a moment this morning before we go any further to pray with her, to pray for her as she heads back. And I, I want you guys to join me too. So we're going to sing some more. So you're going to have to stand up anyway. So maybe you could just stand with me and just join with me. Join your hearts with mine as we pray for Holly and ask the Lord's blessing on her. Father, we are so thankful for Holly, for the way that you have gifted her. <clears throat> For the burden that you have put on her heart for the people of Turkey who need Jesus Christ. And we are just asking that in this moment that you would wrap your arms around her. That she would know the comforting strength of your presence. As she prepares to fly back to her home. She has acknowledged that Turkey is her home and these are her people. But we also know it's difficult to say goodbye to friends and family here. So we ask that you would give her strength as she enjoys this last service with us before she leaves. As she enjoys this afternoon and evening with her family and friends. We just pray that you will strengthen her with the strength and power that is beyond her own. And that you will prepare her for this important work that you have called her to in Ankara. We thank you for her team. We thank you for all those who are praying for her, who are supporting her. Thank you for all the folks here that give regularly so that she can be there to share Jesus Christ with these people who have no hope without him. We just ask, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified not only here today, but in Ankara in Brazil, in all of these places around the world, Lord, where we know that you are at work. May your name go forth for the cause of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. 
Father, we are so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is nothing but reasonable for us to, in turn, lay our lives down in worship and gratitude for all that you have done for us. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. And this morning, I just pray that you would help us to be able to quiet our hearts this morning so that we can hear your voice. Nothing is more important for me as a Christ follower to hear your voice to see your word brought into fruition in my life to feel your power changing me and enabling me to do what you have called me to do and I know that's the same for everyone here that has committed their lives to you and so that's what we pray this morning Father help us to hear the voice of Christ and change us in this continual process of becoming who you have called us to be. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, folks. You can be seated. It's always a catch-22 when I look at the order of the service, and I know that I'm speaking and I see that they're singing my favorite song, which is Lay Me Down. And I know I say that's my favorite song to like half the songs that we sing. But that is truly my favorite song. So I'm belting it over there and then I <clears throat> have to get up here and do this. And Steve was just ripping it on the bass there this morning too. I kind of enjoy that part too. So uh, <laughs> well, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And as we look at God's word, I just thinking about what we have been talking about over this past month, we've been talking about the concept of partnership here at Mossbrook Church. Uh, some of you are aware, some of you, as I look out across the crowd here and I look back in Theater 3 and over in Theater 2, some of you I know were alive on July 20th, 1969. You know who you are if you were alive then. Some of you are not alive, but you know the significance of that date. Others of you have no idea what I'm going to talk about here for a moment. But on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong became the first human being to walk on the surface of the moon. And that was videotaped and recorded and transmitted back to Earth. And when Neil Armstrong stepped off the lunar module onto the Earth's surface and took that first step, he said famously, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Giving credit thereby to his teammates and we knew, for, for those who were following that and those who read the history books after, we knew that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins were in that lunar module and as a team, as the landing launch team, they, they landed the module on the moon and were there for several hours and, and took samples and took all kinds of readings and all those things. But what you may not know is that there were 400,000 people working on the Apollo 11 project to get that literally off the ground and out to the moon. 500 seamstresses worked on the spacesuit alone. 17,000 construction workers, engineers, soldiers, 
constructed the rocket and the tower and got it set up at Kennedy Space Center. There were software engineers and there were radio technicians and navigators and code writers. There was a backup crew in case one of the three, Armstrong or Aldrin or Collins, got sick and couldn't make it. And there was a backup crew for the backup crew. There were three crews of them that were all prepared to go in order to make that mission successful. And without any of them, the mission would not have happened. It was a monumental effort by literally hundreds of thousands of people. As we've talked about partnership over this past month, we've been talking about working together as Christ followers, that, that God has given us a mission to reach lost people with the gospel and, and to see them discipled. And we've talked about us reaching the lost with the gospel as a church, that it's not, it's, it's our individual mission, but it's more than that, it's our corporate mission as well. We cannot accomplish the mission alone. We need each other. Now we've talked about the fact that there are some barriers to that. Tim talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Our love of comfort, our natural self-focus, our lack of commitment. And last week if you were here, you know that Tim talked about the fact that there are some responsibilities as well. If you're going to be a partner then there are some responsibilities we have to, we spend our time and our money. We all need accountability, which takes a lot of work. But despite that, when we consider the call of God on our lives, if you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower and you're considering God's call on your life to reach the lost, to disciple believers, to care for each other, to serve the body, to meet the needs of the community, then we look at all of that and we have to say that's only reasonable. It's only reasonable for Christ to ask that of us. It's not too much because of the sacrifice that he has made for us. He has shown us the greatest love that anyone ever could. He sacrificed everything for us. In fact, it's overwhelming to me sometimes when I think about it, and maybe to you too, it's overwhelming to think about how gracious God has been to us. If we truly understand what we are without Christ and what he has done. But then what does Christ do? What does he do for us when we humbly serve him? When we involve ourselves in the mission that he has given the church, he richly blesses us. That's what we're talking about in that song, grace on top of grace. We looked at that verse, that that's, comes from a phrase in John chapter 1, where John talks about his abundant grace that he pours out to us continually. God has shown us all of this grace and salvation, all of this grace in reaching down to us as sinners and drawing us to himself and saving us, giving us a destiny of eternity in heaven. And in turn, we in our gratitude serve him and Christ looks at us and says, oh, if you're going to serve me, I'm going to give you even more grace. I'm going to give you even more blessing." 
And that's what I want to talk about for just a few moments this morning as we close our understanding, our, our study of partnership. I want to talk about three blessings of partnership. Here's the first one. Blessing number one is participating in the building of Christ's church. Now if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 16. We're going to look at three different passages here, one for each of the blessings we're going to talk about. But Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to jump into a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, when I read it for you or when you turn there and find it, you're, some of you are going to recognize it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, some of you that maybe more than have heard the verse but are a little bit familiar with it, you might know that Jesus kind of uses a play on words here. If we look at the Greek words, we see here that the Greek word for Peter which was the disciples' name, is the word Petros. And the word Petros means a single stone or a small rock. And then Christ uses the word rock here, and that word is Petra, which means a ledge or a, a mass of rock like a cliff or a mountain. And so when we look at this verse, and Jesus says, you are Petros, and upon this Petra, I'm going to build my church. Most of the time, people look at that and say, well, well, the big rock is Jesus. Peter's the little rock, and Jesus is the big rock. Well, Jesus certainly is the builder of the church. He is the founder. He is the empowerer. He is the head of the church. But contextually, if we, if we were going to look at this whole passage, that's not really what Jesus is saying. Because if we backed up and saw the conversation, we would see that Jesus is talking to the apostles about what people think about Jesus and who they think he is. When Jesus came to the earth and was traveling around, he was teaching and he was doing miracles, everybody was confused. Who is this guy? We want to know who he is. What is he doing? So Jesus asked the disciples, who do they think I am? And they gave their responses. And then Jesus said to them directly, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And so what Jesus is saying to Peter in this verse is this. Peter, listen to me. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church and you, you're a part of it. You are a stone that I'm going to use to build this church, you're one of the building blocks, but you're not the foundation. The bedrock, the bedrock that the church of Jesus Christ is built upon is the truth of the gospel, is the truth that Jesus Christ is God and that he came to this earth to sacrifice himself to offer salvation to all who would come to him. This is the foundation of the church. This, I'll give you a chance to practice your Greek, this is our homologumenos. 
This is our common creed. This is the faith that we share, is that Jesus Christ is God. And he came to this earth and sacrificed everything for us. Now certainly when we read this verse, we focus on that phrase, I will build my church, don't we? That's a great one. I will build my church. We do our theology classes. We talk about this verse when we talk about the theology of the church. And when we do sometimes, I make people tell me which is the most important word out of that phrase. I will build my church. And I get everybody, I did this with the teens here uh, last fall. And I, made, I wrote their names. I made them decide, didn't I, Justin? I made them decide. No, you have to commit. Which one is the most important? And everybody was wondering who was right and who was wrong and who was going to be embarrassed and all that. And then we realize every one of those words is important. I will build my church. Who says it? Christ says it. I will build my church. It's definite. It has been determined. It is going to happen. I will build my church. It's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. I will build my church. It belongs to Christ. It's not my church. It's not Pastor Tim's church. It's Christ's church. I will build my church. Christ is not building a corporation. He's not building a business. He's not building a social club. He's building an assembly of called out ones. Called out of the world and called to service for Christ. That's what the word church means. This is an incredible statement of Jesus' intention. This determination backed by his, his omnipotence as God. This is going to happen. I don't know how many times that I have read this verse, studied it, taught it, prayed it. How many times I've, I've gone to this verse and leaned on it for assurance and comfort. Maybe you don't know this, but sometimes pastors get discouraged and they wonder if, if is anything happening? Are we headed in the right direction? Are we doing anything? Are we accomplishing anything? Is God at work here? And I don't know how many times I've turned to this. This page is worn out in my Bible. As I lean on it for assurance that Christ is going to do what he promised. And that is build his church. But do not ignore that first line. We always center on that. I will build my church. But that first line. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build it. Peter was going to be a part of this. Peter was going to be a building block in this amazing work that God was going to do. Now you know and you've seen some of the videos and some of you have driven by to see what's happening over at the, the building site, over by the admin building. We're building the church building. We've been working on it. I know nothing has gone vertical yet. We've got to do all the ground in-ground stuff first. And, and the other day, Tim called me. I was just getting ready to leave to come to the office. And Tim called me with those wonderful words. He said, hey, you want to come play in the dirt? <laughs> now, any of you that know me very well know that my honest answer to that question is what? No. You know, I don't like dirt. I'll do sawdust all day long, but I'm not a dirt guy. I don't like to dig. Tim, Tim goes out there with the excavator and the loader and the skid steer, and you have to pry his hands off the controls. You want to come play in the dirt? Well, not really, but we needed to do it, and so I did. And we were 
compacting around the outside of the foundation and getting everything ready so that we can bury all the plumbing and all that stuff. And I was thinking about that place, that spot where our church is going to be, where that building will be. There are hundreds and hundreds of loads of sand and gravel that have been put in there. And while we were working, I bent down and, and I picked up a rock that was in there, just a little stone. You know, there are millions, millions of little stones on that spot right now that we've hauled in there and, and compacted and worked over and dug in and done all of these things. Now, I was realizing, you know, just one of these little stones doesn't do much for us, does it? Can't build a building on that. But when you take all of the millions of stones and you put them all together and you put them in the right spot and you, and you compact them together, millions of little Petruses. Now we have something, right? Now we can get to work. Now we can accomplish what we need to do. You, you are a little stone. I'm a little stone. And what happens to us often in our lives is this. We don't feel like we count for much sometimes, right? It's just me. It's one person. We don't think we mean much. We don't think we, we accomplish much. We don't think we have much significance. But when you put all of these little Petroses together when you compact them together, when you put them all in the right spot, then God uses us. And that's why we do this together. If you were to take any one of us and pick us out of this group alone and set us out there in the middle of the world and leave us to be and say, go ahead, do it. Serve God. Love Him. Change your community. Oh, that would be awfully discouraging, wouldn't it? But because God has called us together, He has given us the blessing of being a part of what He has been doing for 2,000 years, building this church and what He will continue to do. That means that you matter, it means that this church matters. It's a blessing to be able to look around and see what God is doing. You don't know how often, you don't know how often I sit and think, I am so thankful for everybody. Everybody that's doing what God has called them to do. What God has made them to do. It's a blessing to be able to look around and see it. And there's no place else that I would rather be than right here in the middle of what God is doing. It's a blessing to participate in the building of Christ's church. The second blessing I want you to look at is found in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn over there, you can. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. The second blessing that we enjoy is to enjoy the sense of belonging and community in the body. Ephesians 4.15 says... Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We've talked about this a number of times before in church, that, that God has made us to belong. We're made for community. We're made for connection. Maybe you have had some of these conversations with people. I know that I have over the years. There's been a lot of people that have, have come to our church and then have left. And I talk to them. I sometimes talk to them and have conversations about why. And there are many reasons why someone might, might move on. They might move to another community. Something changes in their schedule or, or whatever. But you know what I hear most often when somebody leaves our church or leaves a church in general? They say something like this. I just didn't feel connected. I just didn't feel connected to what was going on. Paul says that a body characterized by truth and love will enjoy growth. Now what does he mean by that? He says we're to grow up into Christ. That's an interesting turn of phrase. What does that mean to grow up into Christ? I think if our body is characterized by truth and love, we'll grow. First of all, we'll grow closer to Christ. If we're doing what we need to be doing, if Tim and I are teaching the truth, if our small groups are, are, are guiding people into the truth and discipling people into the truth and, and we're spending time in the Word of God ourselves, then we'll grow, first of all, closer to Christ. But then as we grow closer to Christ, we will also grow closer to each other. You can't separate these two results. Growing closer to Christ and growing closer to each other. You can't separate those. I hear people say this all the time. Well, I love God, but I don't like the church. I love God, I do my own thing, but I don't go to church. Well, Christ loves the church. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Christ loves the church so much that he gave himself for it. And if you love Christ, if you, if you truly love Christ, you will love the church. Because Christ loves the church. He says that as we do that, as we grow closer to Christ, as we grow closer to each other, then this whole body is joined together. The word joined there is a carpentry term and it really means to be hand-fitted together. Hand-fitted together for efficiency and effectiveness. That means God puts us where he wants us on purpose. Now I know some of you are sitting here this morning and you're thinking about the people that God has put you next to and, I think, and you think, God may have made a mistake here. <laughs> I don't fit together with this guy too well. Royce and Davey are here and they're thinking, I don't know if this is a good thing or not. We feel like we don't fit together. You know why we feel like we don't fit together sometimes? Is because we have a lot of rough edges. We have a lot of 
sinfulness in our hearts, a lot of selfishness in our hearts. And when the carpenter takes two pieces of wood and he hand fits them together, do you know what he has to do in order to make that happen? He has to take a plane or a file or sandpaper or if it's really rough, a big belt sander with 30 grit belt on it and really take off some material so that it fits together. So when God places us in the body, when he joins us together, there's no mistake. The problem is we got to get some of those rough edges knocked off. We've got to keep growing closer to Christ so that we can grow closer to each other. And so when you look around at where God has put you and you have a tendency to think, I think God might have messed this one up. He should have put me someplace else. You should be thinking, I need to grow closer to Christ so we can knock these rough edges off so I can fit in better with the people that are around me. That's how the church works. He says we're held together by what every joint supplies. The ligaments and the tendons that hold the body together. Paul says that's what the church is like. And when each part is working properly... When there's full participation, when the whole church is all in, there's a strengthening, there's a cooperation that leads to great accomplishment and achievement and connection. I could spend an hour just talking about this verse. So much here for us. It's a blessing to see the body working together. I don't know if anybody else is looking forward to this, but I'm, I'm going to be so glad when we have enough distance from the last couple of years that we don't just keep referring back to all the garbage that's happened in the last couple of years. But that's where we are right now, so we have to talk about it. All the mess that we've gone through, all the things that have happened in our world and our country and, and how it has even affected us as a body and where we've met and, and how we've met and, you know, Lights, I, I can't even, I only see spots in front of my face when I'm up here because we got to have the light because of the camera, because of that, you know, all the stuff we've done and all the work that's been done and how difficult it's been. But you know what's been fantastic? Is seeing all of our teams working together, seeing all of our people working together, seeing the sacrifice, the giving financially, time-wise, energy-wise, pouring everything into this so that we can keep going and doing what God has called us to do. I enjoy the sense of belonging community of this body. I appreciate the fact that there are people who know me here and care about me. And there are people that I know and that I care about. It's a blessing to be a part of it. And I want you to be a part of it too. I want you to enjoy that same blessing. It is here for us as we allow God to knit our hearts together. There are so many things that, <laughs> humanly speaking, there are so many things that I am tired of in this world. But I think the thing that I am most tired of is the narcissism that blankets our country. Being a Christ follower is not about you. 
It's about Christ and what he's calling you to do for other people. And when we do that, there is a sense that we cannot find any other place of community. And that's a blessing. Well, the third blessing is seeing God fulfill his purpose on earth. Number one is participating in the building of, the, of Christ's church. Number two is enjoying the sense of belonging and community in the body. Number three, seeing God fulfill his purpose on earth. Isaiah 46, partway through verse 9, he says, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all of my purpose. I love this statement. I am God. I am God, and there is none like me. I'm unique. I'm alone. I'm God. I want you to notice the particular way that he talks about his uniqueness there. He says, I declare the end from the beginning. What does that mean? That means God knows everything that has happened in the history of this world and human civilization. He knows everything that's happening right now. And he knows everything that is going to happen in the future. There are no secrets, no surprises, no dilemmas that, Christ has, that God has to figure out. He knows all of it. I mean, tell me, are there not days when you wake up and really the whole point of your day is just trying to figure out whatever mess is in front of you for that day, right? How do I figure this out? This dilemma, this problem, this conflict. Or you're chugging along through the day thinking, man, it's great not to have any problems and conflicts. And all of a sudden, smack, right in the side of the head. You get a surprise. Surprises are almost never good. I don't know, we always, you know, surprise, but... I feel like I don't get to say that very often. It's more like, oh my word, another surprise. <laughs> that doesn't happen with God. I declare the end from the beginning. I know all of it. And I will, and what does he say? And I will accomplish my purpose. I am not so naive to think that you will remember everything that we have said this month <laughs> as we've talked about partnership. I am not even so naive to think that you'll remember everything I say today. But if you're going to remember one thing, please remember this. Hear this, my friends. God is in control of this world. He is in control of this world. He is not sitting back passively, just watching the world go by, just watching things spiral down the toilet. He is actively working to fulfill his plans. It is so easy to be discouraged when we look around and we see the evil and the corruption and the destruction and the fear but God is working steadily, continually to accomplish his purpose. I can declare the end from the beginning. If God was here right now and he wanted to, he could tell us exactly what is going to happen a year from now, ten years from now, in eternity. It's not a surprise. 
and in the church, we get to see it. There's a lot of hopelessness in this world right now. One of the the side effects of all of the ridiculousness that's been happening the last two and a half years, and if you've been paying attention, is this massive spike in the suicide rate. Why? Because people have no hope. They're completely disconnected from everything that's happening around them, from their world, their community, even their families. And they see no hope in the future. In the church, we get to see God fulfill his purpose. We see people's lives being changed. We see families being changed. And when we partner with him in serving and caring and sharing together, we see God's hand. And when we read his word together and we learn and we grow and we pray, we realize God is real. He's real. And his kingdom is coming. And we're sitting in the front row because we know. We know that he's going to do this. So how about you? Are you experiencing the blessings of serving God? Are you a part of what he's doing? We have a mission to fulfill and we are to do it together. What's holding you back? Self-focus, lack of commitment, love of comfort. God is calling you and he's calling you to be an active part of the body. Nobody gets a pass. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of this. You can't skip out on it. And that's what we've been talking about here is making this commitment to each other. Now, now many of you are new here to our body. Some of you may be just guests here today. You may be visiting with us and, and clearly we don't expect you to to buy into all of this the first time you've ever heard it. But if you're a part of our body and you attend our body on a regular basis, but maybe you've just been coming over this past year, you may not know so much about our partnership covenant. And right in the cup holder to your right hand, don't take the one on the left because then your buddy to the left won't have one. In your right hand, there is a copy of our partnership covenant. And this is something that we do here at Mossbrook Church kind of in lieu of membership. A lot of people are used to uh, being a part of our church where people are members. And we kind of designed it this way because we want a built-in opportunity every year to revisit this and talk about what it means to be a part of our body. And so you'll see there the Mossbrook Church Partnership Covenant and our mission statement to see lost people becoming reproducing followers of Christ. And what we ask people to do is to consider becoming a partner for the next year, for 2022-23, from September to September, and serve together with us. And there we have four commitments that we make together. As a mission, we, we partner. As a partner, I commit to actively engage in connecting with lost people with the goal of seeing them come to Christ and mature as disciples. We think that's incredibly important. That's why we're here, is to see lost people come to Christ. That's our prayer. And once they do, that they grow and become a disciple of his. 
In teamwork, as a partner, I commit myself and everything I have to complete the work God has created me to do. My passion, my abilities, my personality, my finances. We dive into this together and we use all the resources that we have to serve God to accomplish this mission. Mutual care. As a partner, I commit to regularly meeting together with the church for corporate worship and in small group for discipleship, fellowship, accountability, encouragement, and prayer. We know that we need to care for each other. We do that here when we're together on Sundays, but sometimes it's kind of hard with 250 people all milling around, and if you've been here very much in our little uh, foyer here until we get our building, it's kind of hard to do that. And so we meet in small groups. And if you're not a part of a small group and would like to be, then make sure and let somebody know at the welcome table or speak to me and, and we'll help you to get connected. And service as a partner, I commit to serving those around me inside the church and outside according to God's working and leading in my life. And so partners commit to those things for the year. Now, that doesn't mean that Tim and I are going to rappel down on ropes into your front lawn if you don't come to church some Sunday to wonder where you are. But it may mean if you sign up for partnership and we don't see you for a month, we might say, hey, is everything okay? How you doing? We're responsible for you and your well-being and your spiritual growth and we take that seriously as pastors and elders. And we want to know who's with us. <laughs> who's with us as we serve God and as we do this together. And so this morning, if you have that there, uh, you will see that we have some handy-dandy perforations on the side of our partnership covenant. And if this is something that you feel that God wants you to do, you've been thinking about it this month as we've talked about it, then I'm going to invite you in a moment. The band is going to lead us in a, in a song and is going to sing a special number for us. And as we do that, give you a chance uh, if you want to, to sign up, just sign, put your contact information uh, on, on that. And after the service is over, there are going to be ushers standing at the back and uh, with our little plant pots and ask you to just put that in there so we have a record of your commitment uh, to serve with us. And then the rest of this is yours to take home to remind you <laughs> of what we have committed to do together as a body. Uh, the reason we do this, of course, is because of what Christ has done for us. This is why we serve. This is why we partner together for the cause of Christ. In that cup holder, too, there's a pen. And if you want, while we're singing this song, while the band is singing for us, I invite you to go ahead and fill that out. And then we're going to close the service by singing together. <laughs> 